But if you are new here, we're starting a series last week called Emotional, and we're talking about how to face emotions and how do we really face the emotions that we have in our lives. And we all have emotions that range from extreme joy to extreme fear to extreme anger all over the map. Um, and, and we need to know how to deal with them. And last week we talked about this idea that the emotions that God gives us are, um, are given by God. They're a gift from God and they are a gauge. How many of you looked at your dashboard a little bit differently this week when you looked at it? I've gotten pictures of people that were on zero. Um, I've got pictures of people that had oil lights going on. We talked about how our emotions are gauges. They reveal what's going on in the inside of us. And we talked really about this idea of guarding our heart, that out of the abundance of our heart, not only does our mouth speak, but the, it determines the course of our life. And we've got to guard our heart with everything that we do. And so that was kind of last week. This week, we're actually diving into a certain emotion, and that is anger. Anger. And so I know nobody in here gets mad. So I'm just preaching this to you so you can share it with those people who really do get mad. Um, so you can know. Hey, I want to do something real quick. If you have the Bible app, um, I shared uh, this on Facebook. If you have the Bible app, if you actually open it up, Zach and I were talking about this this week. Um, if you open up the Bible app right there where you are, and uh, if you have it, and if you can actually get service in here and open it up, on the far right corner, there's a little line. You click it, and then you go to events. If you click events... Um, our notes for this message will be right there for you um, to follow along. So if maybe you don't want to do the paper version and you would like to do maybe a digital version, just want to let you know that that is available there for you. And uh, you can pull it up right there and, and follow along with us. Who got it? Anybody here got it already? Like, all right, we got a couple of people that already got it. If you don't got it, just look at those people who got their hands raised and they'll, they'll help you out there. But we're still going to do paper notes, okay? Everybody's still asking. Are we doing paper notes? Yeah, we're still doing paper notes. Who still likes the paper notes? Okay, all right. All right. Those are probably the same people that read a paper Bible. All right? So, <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. All right. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about anger. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things that makes me so angry, I don't know if this happens for y'all, uh, is on the interstate when you get the sign on the interstate where it says ahead, merge ahead, left lane closing, right lane closing. And, you know, you got the obedient ones that get into the lane. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you got the ones coming off on the other side that are flying past you. And you think maybe they're going to an exit. And then they put their left blinker to get into that lane. How many of you get mad at that? Anybody in here like, okay, all right, I'm not the only one. All right. I, anybody in here, you pull off into the other lane to try to block them from going? Anyone? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, all right. You ever done that and you pulled off to block them and somebody passed you on the left lane? You're like, I'm trying to help us all here. What's going on? This is teamwork. We got to work together. We got to work together. The best time is that one time that happened and somebody pulled off and took off and they took off off of the, uh, the little side road where there was grass and gravel. And so I was about to follow them and I decided not. And then I saw a cop car fly after him. And I was like, ha, 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 That was going to be so me though. That was going to be so me. So I know anybody, how about, how about when you're going to pull into a parking spot, maybe at Walmart and it's that parking spot and somebody pulls out, but they pull out towards you and then somebody else pulls into your spot and you've been waiting there for that spot. Come on, you know, that gets you, that gets you mad. You want to, you want to write a note or slash tires or something. You know, you get, you get, you get upset, you get angry, you know, and, and we all have this emotion of anger and anger is not necessarily, we'll get into this in a minute, not necessarily a bad emotion all the time, but it can be. 
But all of us deal with anger, and, and many of us, honestly, if you get a little bit more serious about anger, we deal with anger because of really some really rough things in life. Maybe a really bad divorce that happened, or maybe somebody took something of yours that you'll never be able to get back again, or maybe you're going through uh, just a rough relational marriage. I, I read a, a thing the other day. It was an article of a guy that had to pay alimony to his ex-wife, and every month he would pay his, his wife uh, the alimony in nickels. Yes, this is no lie. This is no lie at all. He would, he would put 160 pounds of nickels on her doorstep every month. Come on, how I many know he's a little angry? <laughs> that guy's a little angry. Um, but it's sad because we, we really deal with anger in a lot of different ways. I mean, uh, the, the statistic says that every year, 4 million women will be physically abused by an angry man. 10 million children will be abused by angry men or parents. Um, this is a real deal. Anger is a real issue. How many know we, we really have an angry society? Anybody follow during politics? I mean, it's just, we're just angry people. Everybody's emotional and angry about everything that's going on. Um, maybe it's somebody cheated on you and you're angry. Maybe, maybe you're angry at God. Maybe life hasn't turned out the way that you wanted it to go and you get angry at God. Come on, how many know we, we can be angry at God? But I'm going to tell you right now, this isn't a message. This, one, this message, honestly, was a little harder for me to prepare for because this isn't a message that you preach to grow your church. <laughs> this is a message you preach to grow your people. And so, um, so I love you, first off. I just want you to hear me on this. I, I love you a lot, and, and I want to grow you. I want to help you because I know this is a real issue. And so for the next 30 minutes or so that we're together, this is all I'm asking you to do is that you would just ask the Holy Spirit to help give you ears to hear and to allow him to show areas of your heart maybe where there's some anger. Because most people who are angry people don't want to say that they're angry people. But they actually are. And we deal with anger in so many different ways. And so let's start today with a verse. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become. Everybody say that. Angry. Slow to become angry. Because human anger. That's a big part there. Human anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Two things I just want to show you real quick. First off, it says you need to be slow to become angry, which means that God's okay with you becoming angry. He just says you need to do it slowly. And so anger is okay with us getting angry. There's a right way to process through that. But he says, I want you to be slow to become angry. Notice he never says, I want you slow to become adulterous. I get him to say that. Why? Because that's wrong. Anger is not necessarily wrong. It's only wrong if it's handled the wrong way. Second thing that he says is that human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's be honest. Anger doesn't produce the righteous life that you desire. Right? Anger always gets us in a place where we don't want to be. And the problem is not that we get angry. The problem is how we handle it. And so I want to I share with you two, two types of anger and, and how we handle it. If you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first one down. Godly anger. There is a such thing as godly anger or righteous anger. anger uh, and, and when we talk about these emotions, I don't want us just to talk about the negative emotions. There are positive, great emotions, and godly anger is a great emotion. At least 15 times in the Gospels, it talks about Jesus getting angry. 15 times. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it talks about how God got, or Jesus got angry. And I want you to notice this, though. This is a little FYI. Jesus never got angry at prostitutes. Jesus never got angry at tax collectors. Jesus never got angry at political candidates. 
Jesus was never angry at the king. You know who he was angry at? Religious people. He was always angry at religious people. Let me, let me show y'all. In Mark chapter 3, let me show you this. So this is speaking of Jesus. Je- Jesus looked around at them, speaking of the religious guys. So let me set up the situation of what's going on. There's a guy that needs a healing. He stands the guy up. He looks at everybody, and it's on a Sabbath, a day when there's supposed to be rest, no work. And he looks at everybody and says, should I heal them or should I not? And they're like, it's the Sabbath. And so, of course, he is. He looks around, and he's in anger. And he's deeply disturbed at what? At their stubborn hearts. He's so disturbed at their stubborn hearts that he says to the man, now watch this. His godly anger, his righteous anger now produces something in him. He's going to go, I'm going to do something about this. And he stretched out, he says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So we see this, and this is just one of 15 times in scriptures that you see that Jesus got angry, a godly, righteous anger. Jesus put his anger into action. There's a quote that I want to read. It says, he who is angry, watch this, he who is not angry when he has cause to be sins. So he who is not angry when he has cause to be, when he should be angry, that's a sin. And so what this is telling us is that we need to have some godly anger. Now, I love seeing people that actually have real godly anger. Like any of you just get angry, so angry about living paycheck to paycheck. You get so angry about living in debt. This past semester in our life groups, we do, a, we do a life group for financial, to help people financially called FPU. There was five families that went through our FPU. Listen to this. This is so awesome. They were so upset about the life that they were living and the debt that they were in. Over nine weeks during this class, they eliminated $24,500 in debt. Isn't that amazing? Come on, that is amazing. How many of you would like to eliminate $24,000 in debt? It takes a godly anger to say, I'm done with this. I, enough is enough. We're going to do something about this. On top of that, they saved another $7,600 just in their savings. And so $33,000 in nine weeks. It's when you just get angry. You got to do something about this. You get a godly anger. There's people who get a godly anger about when they see kids that don't have homes. How many of you know every kid deserves a home? Every kid deserves a home. In, in the Louisiana alone, 4,787 children are in the foster care in Louisiana alone. And listen to this, 653 kids need a home. So it takes someone who has a godly anger towards that situation and go, we got to do something about this. That it causes people to step up and go, I'll take a kid, I'll take two, I'll get them in. I want to provide a place for them. We, we need to get angry. A godly anger. Let me share a godly anger that I have. A godly anger that I have is I hate that we don't have Raisin Cane's or Chick-fil-A and Jennings. Come on, anybody in here? I feel like it's a godly anger. I mean, I feel like it's... No, okay. I feel like it is. I'll tell you a real one, though. A real godly anger that I have is when I see men take advantage of women, shack up with women, get them pregnant, and then leave. I get mad about that. I get real mad about that. When I see Christians not living up to their potential and settling for second best when God has something so much greater for them, when God wants to use them mightily and they settle for what the enemy has set before them, that makes me really angry. Somebody's got to do something about this. And so it's okay to have godly anger. Godly anger is anger put into action. When you see the name of God being defamed and you want to take it. When David saw Goliath, 
And all the other guys weren't doing anything. And David goes, who is this dude? Somebody's got to take him out. I'll take him out. You know what that is? Godly anger. Somebody's got to step up and do something. And I'm like, can I be honest with you? There's a lot of churches that have wussy Christians. They don't step up. When I see doctors getting rich off of using vulnerable women that are pregnant and and somehow coercing them to allow him to kill their baby so he can get rich, that makes me mad. That should make us mad to see that. Y'all with me here? Godly anger is something that God wants us to have. Here's the second thing, though, is ungodly anger. So this one we know often way too well. Ungodly anger... And there's really two wrong ways to handle ungodly anger. Let me show you the two wrong ways. So let me set up this, this story real quick, and then we'll talk about how we, we don't do it. Let, let me give you the first, way, first wrong way we handle ungodly anger. I, I call this the spewers. We spew. So the story is found in Numbers. It's a story of, of Moses. Moses has freed the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. He has delivered them. There is a cloud by day. There is a pillar of fire by night. When they were hungry, God had birds fall from heaven, and, and he had bread fall from heaven. I mean, he provided for them. He split seas. I mean, he did so many different things. He's provided water from a rock for them. And now they are here they are in this moment, and they're thirsty again. And so they come to Moses. Moses and they come to Aaron and go, we are thirsty. We are so thirsty. You brought us out here to kill us. We're dying of thirst. And so Moses does what he always does. And he goes back to God and he's like, God, these are your people. (laughs) What do I do here? And this is what happens. So God tells them, and if you want to go and read the story, God pretty much tells them, I'm going to provide for them. I've always provided for them. This is what I want you to do. I want you to gather all of the people. I want you to go and I want you to find the biggest rock that you have, and I want you to speak to it. And yet again, I will have water flow out of this rock to provide for your people. And so sure enough, Moses goes, gathers all the people, and I want you to, we're going to catch up with him. And this verse is where he says, Then he and Aaron, speaking of Moses, summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. And he says, listen, you rebels. Come on, I mean, you know, it kind of probably felt good just to kind of, listen, you rebels. This is all you. He shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Now watch the next verse. Then Moses raised his hand and he struck the rock twice. With the staff and water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now, real quick, let me just pause here. What did God tell him to do? What did he tell him to do? Speak to it. But he's mad. He's really mad. He's not only mad about their disobedience to him and his authority, he's mad that they're constantly doubting God and he strikes the rock. Now, here's the thing about God that's so awesome, though, that even in our disobedience, God still does stuff. God still provides. He still provides the water in the midst of that. But that water gushes out. Now look at this next verse that it says in Psalms 106 that actually speaks about this occurrence. It says, they, speaking of the children of Israel, they angered God. Again, at Meribah Springs. This time Moses got up, got, (laughs) this is God, Moses got mixed up in their evil because they defied God yet again. And Moses, what did he do? He exploded and what? Lost his temper. Anybody in here relate with Moses at times? Did Moses, Moses had children? A million of them. Okay, anybody, anybody here got, I got two. All right, so he had a million children. 
And all these people are, and he loses, he explodes and he loses his temper. This is what spewers do, by the way. Spewers, we, we unleash when we get upset, when we get mad. How many of you were raised in a family where you had a father or a mother that were spewers? Anybody in here? Where when, when they were angry, you knew about it. Actually, the neighbors knew about it. Everybody knew about it. Everybody knew when the spewers are going. I mean, it's just crazy. It's, it's loud. It's big. It's, it's boisterous. Everybody knows this is what spewers do. This is what Moses did. You rebels, how are we going to do this? And then he's hitting things. How many know when you're angry at a spear, they're kicking things and punching things? And, and he, okay, all right. So watch this. Watch what, watch what Proverbs says about this, though. Watch. Proverbs 29, 11 says this. Fools vent their anger. But the wise quietly hold it back. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. There's a guy by the name of William Urey. I, I thought this was the, one of the greatest quotes I've ever seen when it comes to when we say things out of our mouths when we're angry. And this is what he said. He said this. Do I have the quote? He says, not that one. He says this. When, when angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. When angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. I remember hearing Pastor Bubba do a message years ago, years ago. And this one line has always stuck with me years later. And this is what he said. When things go south, watch your mouth. When things go south, watch your mouth. How many know because that's the one thing that starts flying when you get angry, if you're a spewer, it starts going and you start saying things and it just gets crazy. And this is what it says. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, one of the things that we see about righteous anger and godly anger, one guy that I've always really admired was Martin Luther King. Lindsay and I, years back, um, when we were traveling, got to go to the um, museum that Martin Luther King has in Memphis, and it was where, where he was killed and everything. It's an incredible museum if you ever get to go there. I mean, that was a righteous anger, by the way. He saw how his people were being treated, and he stood up for injustice and says, we're going to do something about it, and he did it in the way that was godly. And because he stood up for what was right, white extremists hated him. They hated him so much that they would constantly call his house and have death threats on his family. And one time, there was a time where they actually bombed his house. They bombed his house. And in a, in a book that I was reading about it, he said, this is what he said in response to his house being bombed. That night, right after that happened, this is what he, this is what he writes. He says, while I lay in that quiet front bedroom, I began to think of the viciousness of the people who would bomb my home. I could feel the anger rising when I realized that my wife and baby could have been killed. Come on, how many know that's a, that's a righteous godly anger? My baby could have been killed. This is a bad thing. And look what he says. I was once more on the verge of corroding hatred. And once more, I caught myself and said, you must not allow yourself to become bitter. Now, after that bombing happened, all of his people showed up at his house. And of course, you can imagine all of his followers are like, let's take these people out. Let's go, let's go do something. And so he stands on the front porch of his house and he delivers this speech to them. So after he says this to himself, I can't let myself be bitter, he tells them, we're not advocating violence. We want to love our enemies. I want you to love our enemies. Be good to them. Love them and let them know that you love them. Come on, how many of you know this is how you respond in anger? 
You can only respond this way, by the way, if you've experienced the grace of Jesus. Amen. Martin Luther King had the ability to be able to do that in a, in, a, in a moment where he was fully justified to be angry. He's fully justified to be bitter. He's fully justified to be all those things. But he says, I can't let myself get bitter. And spewers have to be careful to guard their heart. Now, I want you to see what happens to Moses after he hits the rock twice. Water comes out. Uh, we're going to get it. All right, show me the next verse in Numbers chapter 12, or 20, verse 12. It says, now this is the next verse after. So after the rock spits out the water, it says this, but the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, because you didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Here's a quick question. Whose fault was it for all the stuff that was going on? I mean, who, who really was causing all the sin in the situation? The children of Israel were. But I want you to notice, because of his reaction to what they did, he didn't get to get in the promised land. Because of his anger, what he did in one moment, it affected the rest of his life. Can I tell you, some people right now are living through the consequences of one thing that they've done in a moment of anger. One moment, one decision cost him the promised land. Joshua ended up, the guy after him, ended up having to bring the children into the promised land. Moses no longer did. God said, listen, you got them up to here, great, but you know what? You fouled out the game. I told you not to do that. You let your anger get the best of you. You're out. Joshua's in. And I'm going to tell you right now, God, God can still use us, but I'm going to tell you that you can have devastating consequences to words that are said. How many of you can remember, think about this, how many of you can remember something somebody has said about you in anger? You know, it's amazing. People can tell us 10 compliments, but we'll remember the one thing somebody said to us when they were angry. And it'll do damage, so much damage, insecurity and fear and worry. So we have to guard our mouth and watch what he said. How many of you would be honest and say that when it comes to anger, you are a spewer? You don't have to raise your hand because we already know. You don't have to raise it. Here's, here's number two. Second wrong way to really handle ungodly anger is to stew. So this is me. I'll let you decide which one my wife is, and I'll let you decide which one I am. I'll go ahead and tell you. She's spew and I stew. And so it's funny. We would sit in these hash out fights and I wouldn't be yelling. I'd be like, why are you yelling? Why are you yelling? And she'd look at me and go, just because you're not yelling doesn't mean you're not wrong. <laughs> Any wise in here? <laughs> just because you're not yelling doesn't mean you're not wrong. I felt like I was right because I wasn't yelling. But the truth was I wasn't spewing. I was stewing. I was actually anger, but I was having it on the inside. And anger on the inside and anger on the outside is still anger and it's still wrong. Y'all with me? And scripture, we'll, we'll put it this way. Scripture 4, I mean scripture 4, Ephesians 4. It is a scripture and it is in 4. <laughs> Ephesians 4, it's the afternoon. If it had been the morning, I would have been on my game. I'm off a little bit here. All right, it says this. Now watch this. Two first words, what? Angry. Say it again. Angry. Say it again. Angry. You've been wanting to say that, right? Be angry. Okay, I got that. Period. <laughs> I am. All right. <laughs> no, it says be angry and what? Okay, so which means that there is a godly anger 
There's an anger that you can have that's not sin. But it also means that there is an anger that you have that is sin. So be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And now watch this. And give no opportunity to the devil. Okay, that word opportunity right there is a word either location or a greater word would be room. Do not give the devil a room. Meaning that we don't need to allow the devil to have room in our hearts, room in our lives. And how many know anger will give him a room? It'll give him open door access to our hearts, to our lives. This is what anger does. He says, be angry, don't sin. Don't let it go down on, on the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And you and I, if you are a stewer, you have knockout, drag out fights just like spewers do. The only difference is you have them in your head. Don't you? You have them up here. You may not be, it might not be coming out, but you having it all up here. Have you ever been where, where you know somebody that's a steward and they've been having all of these fights in their minds with you and you show up and they're mad at you and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> they're like looking at you and everything. You're like, what's happening? You know why? They've been fighting with you without you. <laughs> you ever have that? You're like, I'm in trouble. I don't even know why I'm in trouble. I'm just in trouble. I mean, they, have you ever had your wife wake up and she's mad at you because y'all got in a fight while she was dreaming and she got up and she's mad at you and you're like, what the heck? She's like, you dissed me while I was sleeping and I was, what are you talking about? You're cut off. Not, no more. So it is, it happens, it's happened to me a couple of times. Sorry. Let me show you, let me show you a, uh, a biblical story of how this has played out. So I showed you the story of Moses kind of being a spear. We know that Peter was a spear. We know there's different guys in the Bible that just kind of let it out. Um, but let me show you a story of a guy who was a steward. So two brothers, um, you go back to Genesis, Cain and Abel, first brothers in the Bible, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel, uh, they have, um, they, they both have different personalities. They, one is a farmer. One loves being with animals. Um, one loves being outdoors. One loves being inside. I mean, there's just, just totally two different things. God, uh, they, they go to bring God an offering. One brings God fruit of the ground, which is Cain. Another one brings the firstborn lamb, which is Abel. Abel brings his best. Really, Cain just kind of brings his leftovers. And the Bible says that God accepts Abel's. He rejects Cain's. And Cain gets mad. Gets really, really upset. And so we catch up with Cain in this verse here with uh, God having kind of a moment with Cain. And this is what he says. God tells him, hey, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why, why, do, you, why do you look so dejected? How many know people that are stewards, they look mad? They look mad. It's because they are mad. They're not mad maybe verbally, but they're mad inside and they look it. And this is what had happened with Cain. He says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? Look at the next verse. It says, you will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Now watch this. this, is, this is, You've got to get this part. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to what? So just go ahead and mark through this and just put the word anger. Anger that is ungodly is sin. But let's just for this minute. Anger is crouching at your door and it's ready to control you but you must subdue it, subdue it and be its master. So what he's saying is you can either control your feelings or your feelings can control you, but you do get the option. You get the choice. You and I get the choice on how we deal with our feelings. And, and if it's ungodly anger, it's ready. It is so ready 
to, to come in. Look, it's crouching at the door. It wants to come in a room. It wants to come in the house. The question is, are you going to open the door to it? And then if you open the door to it, just get ready because when he comes into the house, he wants the whole house. He wants to take the whole room. He wants to be the master. And so he's going to take over. And you've all had a guest that wants to just take over. Like they open up everything. They're, they're controlling the remote. And you're like, this is my house. My house. Okay. Yeah, some of you are like, they need to get out. All right. Yeah, that's, this, is, this is so much worse than that. That, that. This is what sin does to us. Now, I want you to notice something, though, here. God was telling Cain, hey, why are you so angry? You know what that was? The dashboard. That was the gauge. That was the light. That was the, hey, something's going on here. Hey, watch out. Hey, what's going on, Cain? You're looking a little angry. And here are the emotions that are happening. And, and what does Cain do? He ignores it. He ignores it. How many know that God loves you enough that he will address something in its infancy stage before it kills you? He will address, hey, hey, there's some anger here. Hey, there's some jealousy here. Hey, man, you got some unforgiveness here. And, and, and we can either address it and go, yes, God, there really is something that's there. Or we can go, no, 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 it's not that big of a deal. And guess what? It doesn't stay little. It grows and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And this is God's grace right here. God, before Adam does anything with his anger, God addresses him in his anger. Hey, man, what's going on here? You all right? Everything okay? What's up? And in this moment was the moment for Cain to go, you're right, I am, I'm, God, I'm mad. Here's the question. Who's he mad at? Is he mad at Abel? No. You know who he's mad at? He's mad at God. You know why? Because God's the one that rejected him. So he's mad at God. But here's what I've always learned. People that are mad at God take it out on other people. So when you're mad at God, really, honestly, you're mad at yourself because of the decisions that you made, but you're mad at God because he didn't come out and come do the thing that you wanted him to do, then you just take it out on other people. And so that's what he ends up doing. He, he, he lets this anger begin to control him. And how many you know that you can control your emotions? When it comes to your emotions, you have a choice, and you can control it. Anger, you can control it. You ever been in a fight with your wife? What's going on? You talking about this, and you buying this, and you buying that, and they get a phone call? Bring, 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 and you never. Hey, what's up, girl? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you in the morning. Okay, all right. Love you, love you. Hey, I ain't talking to you. You ain't. Y'all ever had? It's kind of funny, but it actually happens, right? Why? You can control it. You can control it. You can turn it on and you can turn it off. We can control it. We have the opportunity to control it. Psalms 4.4 4 says this, watch this, says don't, don't sin by letting anger, what? Control. control you. Remember, it wants to control you. Don't let it control you. Think about it overnight and remain, all your spears, remain silent. All the stewards, you need to be thinking about it, allowing God to do what he needs to do inside of you. But look what this verse says. It says in verse 8, Genesis 4, 8, it says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, so God's trying to give him all these warning signs. God's trying to love him. God's trying to not let his anger control him. And it says, verse 8, one day Cain suggests to his brothers, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and, and killed him. He killed him. You know what's the most scariest part, I think, about this whole story? How fast sin goes. It starts off with just wanting to bring something to God. He gets rejected. He gets angry. God tries to address the anger, and then he kills his brother. Like it's like, boom. 
so fast of how, how fast it speeds up in his life. You go from his birth to a murder in two chapters. So here's the question and we'll wrap it up. Big question I think we all ask. Why am I so angry? Anger is an emotional response to whatever endangers what we love. Anger is an emotional response to whatever endangers what we love. Anger is to the extent that you love something. All right? However you love something. Okay, let me give you a for example. So your kids are playing out in the front yard, and a guy speeds down the road. Do you just be like, hey, mamas? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like, you're trying to get into, you're trying to get your keys to go chase them down. Like, that's my babies. Don't you be flying. Right. Why? Because you love your kids, so you get angry at the driver. Y'all with me? Your, your anger is an emotional response to what it has the potential to endanger what you love. So I decided to write down some stuff to be vulnerable with you on why I get angry. Reasons that I get angry. And how, if we honestly would ask the right question, why am I so angry? Of course, all of us want to go, well, we're angry because of such and such and because of what they've done. But if you really dive down a little bit deeper, and if you follow the anger trail, you'll find that it's attached to what you love. Just follow your anger, and you'll find what it's attached to. It's attached to something that you love. So I wrote down a list. I get angry when I lose. Anybody else in here? You know why? I love winning. I get angry when dogs are barking at night. You know why? I love my sleep. Anybody in here? I get angry when traffic is slow. You know why? Because I love not waiting. Anybody in here? Okay, all right. I, I need y'all to help me out here. I can't be the only one that's vulnerable. All right, so I get angry when my phone doesn't work. Why? Because I love convenience. I get angry when people disagree with me. You know why? Because I love my opinions. Let me, let me give you, this isn't enough. Let me give you some more. Yeah, we're going to wrap up. I got about 10 minutes of this. Okay, I get, I get angry when things are chaotic. You know why? Because I love control. I get angry when someone criticizes me because I love my reputation. So I can't let somebody criticize me because that's something against my, my reputation. I, I, I get angry when people dislike me. You know why? Because I love people's approval. I get angry when my kids are going crazy because I love peace and quiet. It's all mamas. I don't know what that one is. But isn't that true? You get mad at your kids. Why? Because really, you just want peace and quiet. Or you just want to do what you want to do and they're getting in the way of what you want to do. At night, get in bed! Get in bed! Now, that's when I do go spewing, okay? That's, I stew a lot during the day, but I spew at night. And get, just get in bed. Like, I don't know how many times I can tell you. It's B-E-D. It's right there. Just get in it. You know why? Because I want to go do what I want to go do. I want my time. I want my sleep. I want my TV time. I want my... That's why I get mad. I get mad when my plans don't go as planned because I love myself. When things don't go the way that I thought they were supposed to go and they were supposed to go this way and they don't go this way, at the end of the day, I don't like that because I like me and I like my plans and I like how I had it planned out. 
Don't you know that's how you, why you get angry with God too? When you think God's supposed to act this way and he doesn't act this way and he doesn't do what he, you thought he was supposed to do and you get angry with God, why? Because you had your plans and God didn't choose to do it your way and you get angry. At the end of the day, honestly, most of our anger is because we just really, really love ourselves. And so our anger is an emotional response that's attached to what we love the most. And for many of us, we love me the most. We love ourselves the most. James 4, 1 through 2 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something. Now, I think this is probably really, honestly, the definition of anger. You want something, but don't get it. So I asked my youngest yesterday, Hey, why do you get mad? And he said, when mom tells me no. What is that? You want something, but don't get it. And I'd love to say that only seven-year-olds have this problem. No. No. Okay, all right, good, all right. So it says you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so guess what? Because you don't get what you want, you don't get what you love, you quarrel and you fight. Now, here's the real kicker. This is all of it, and then we're going we're gonna to be done. The real issue is you don't have because you didn't ask God. You didn't ask God. At the end of it all, the, the real issue is you didn't ask God. So I want you to write this down. Your last note. It's not about them. It's about me. See, a lot of you, when we talk about anger, you would want me to talk about how everybody around you needs to do what you just want them to do, and life would be great, right? Right? If you just do what, you want, what I want you to do, then life would be good. Nobody would be angry. But I, how many of you know that there still will be floods and kids will still be crazy and traffic will still be slow? And you can't change all that. You know who you can change? You. And so it's not about them. It's really about you. We want God to change our circumstances and God wants to change us. And, and the way that God changes us is we go to him and we ask him. You know what the best, best news of this all is? God loves you so much, so much, that he hates sin. And because we are sinners that are born into sin, we, we wonder why God gets angry. And we think that the Old Testament was a very angry God and the New Testament was a very loving God. And like somehow like in the middle, like God got saved. Like he got saved Got saved in Malachi, came to Matthew, and he's a loving God now. He's not angry anymore. Here's the truth. He's still angry in the New Testament just as much as he's angry in the Old Testament. He just brought a solution in the New Testament because now what he did is he put all of his anger on Jesus for you and I because if we're sin, we are separated from God. And so God is trying to pay for that sin. He's trying to kill that sin. It would be like if you know somebody that has cancer and they're undergoing radiation and chemotherapy, it would look like that doctor hates that guy. No, you know what he does? He loves that guy. So he's hurting the cancer. He's killing the cancer. Is it killing the man too at the same time? Possibly, there's a chance, but what he's trying to do is separate the cancer from the man and eventually kill the cancer so the man can stay healed. And Jesus comes on the cross and he dies a death because so, he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he gives his life and he dies a gruesome death because he hates sin so much. And he loves you so much that he dies the death 
And then he says, listen, if you'll just separate from that sin, if you'll just repent of that sin, I'll pay for all that sin, and then you will be in good standings with me. But if you choose to live in sin, stay connected to sin, the same wrath that God has towards sin, he has towards you. It's not because it's geared to you, it's geared towards that sin that's attached to you. How many of you know if something is killing your kids, you're going to do everything you can to try to get that out? And so God sees the sin that's inside of us, and he comes and he sends Jesus. He says, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just ask me, if you'll just believe in me, I'll take care of this sin issue in your life, and then I'll fill you with my presence. I'll give you my peace. I'll replace that anger with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But you've got to detach yourself from that sin. And we do that through repentance, turning to the Lord, asking him for help. You've got to own it first. You've got to own those emotions. So would you bow your heads in this place? If you're in here, you know, you may say, well, Pastor Josh, you don't know what someone's done to me. You don't know what they've done. I mean, there's just no way. Uh, I'm, I'm going to always stay mad at these people. Well, the truth is, if you would realize that whoever is making you mad hasn't done anything towards you to the magnitude that you've done towards God, you would understand that our sin put Jesus on that cross. And yet he loved us so much. He gave his life. He paid the debt. He took the wrath of the Father, the anger of the Father, so that you and I could live in relationship with God. And tonight, maybe you, you've really struggled with anger. Or maybe as we've just been going through it, the Holy Spirit's just been revealing, maybe it's a, maybe it's a stewing. You've just been simmering in something for just so long. Maybe you've been vocal about it. Either way, both of those need to be repented of. They, they both can be freely forgiven. But you've got to acknowledge it tonight. If you'd say, Pastor Josh, man, I, would you just pray for me? I, I, really, I really need God to help me in this area. If that's you, would you just raise your hands all across this room? Come on, nobody's looking around. And Jesus, help us. You can keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. It's all right. We've got hands up going all over the place. Father, I pray right now, Lord, for every single person that has their hand raised. God, we know, Lord, that you are a good God. Lord, we know, God, that you desire for us to live in victory and in freedom. God, that you want us to have a holy, righteous anger. But we've got to be able to handle this ungodly anger. God, we've got to, your word says for us to put it away, to put it to death. So God, today we surrender, we give it to you. We acknowledge that we are in need of a savior. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you didn't give us rage, you gave us mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Right there, just where you are, would you just kind of have just a moment with the Lord? Just, just tell him, God, forgive me, help me, remind me of all that you've done for me. Jesus, I pray in this moment you would do that. God, that you would minister to your people. And you can put your hands down. But while your heads are bowed, I want to do one more thing. And that is if you're here in this room and you've never been born again, the Bible says being born again is that we have a first birth, of course, our natural birth. But then there's a spiritual birth, a second born again. It's, a, it's an encounter with God where we surrender our hearts, we surrender our, our, our lives to the Lord. And it's not 
when you get baptized and it's not when you take communion and it's none of those things because none of those things save you. It's simply an acknowledgement that God, you're king, you're Lord, I need a savior, be my savior. If that's you in this place and you've never done that, you've never allowed God to, to help you to be your Lord and savior, I don't want you to walk out this room. You can have new life in Christ today. If that's you here in this room, nobody looking around. You just say, Pastor Josh, you just pray for me. I want, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I want to be born again. If that's you, would you raise your hand all across this place? Okay, thank you. Hands going up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, can we just all just pray this together? If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. We all pray this together with you. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins. Today, I recognize I am a sinner in need of grace. Today, I repent. I turn from my ways and I turn to you. I surrender my heart. I give you my life. Thank you for paying my debt, for preparing me a place in heaven to live with you. From this day forward, I'll follow you in Jesus' name.